Mike Walsh, and you're listening to Between Worlds, the show that takes you over the horizon and beyond borders to bring you the global thinkers, innovators, and troublemakers whose ideas challenge the world as we know it. My guest today is Anka Kotari, uh, who is the founder of Automation Anywhere. Uh, Anka, it's great to see you. Uh, we've we've actually encountered each other a number of times on the road. We're in Dubai today, but I think we first met in Dallas. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Dallas. Uh, and then uh, Hyderabad. And then Hyderabad. <laughs> we keep on meeting in uh, different uh, conferences. It's always a pleasure, Mike. And, uh, <laughs> uh, it's always great to listen to your talk and uh, be an uh, active listener of this podcast. Excellent. Um, so I finally uh, picked you down to be a guest and I, I think that there really isn't a better time for this now that we're talking so much in, in the news and, and, and at conferences and in meetings about not just what the future of work might be but how we might coexist with robots and of course uh, given the context of the US election there's a, a big focus on jobs and how we give people more jobs I, I can only imagine if this the US election was running maybe in four years time the platform wouldn't be we need to take the jobs back from China but we need to take them back from robots <laughs> the, it's an interesting time I mean everyone is uh, talking about robots and uh, 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 software robots, hardware robots one thing is very clear that from 2012 I've seen from various forums that one clear narrative coming out that robotics in next 20 years would be uh, and this is in general robotics in the next 20 years would be what internet was in the last 20 years it will right. usher in the next wave of productivity and growth and uh, new uh, business models so. something i find quite interesting is that we probably because of hollywood when we we imagine the idea of robots taking our job we imagine something like you know, Skynet or a Terminator, like a, a gleaming metallic mm-hmm. uh, humanoid robot who's literally taking our jobs. Mm-hmm. But in, in many ways, what your company is doing and what we're seeing a lot in organizations isn't so much robots themselves, but automation at a software level. Absolutely. Let, let me share with you what we do. We are uh, the largest uh, robotic process automation uh, software provider based out of Silicon Valley. Uh, but what we call we have this digital workforce platform hmm. which effectively it's a software bot which allows you to interact with any application just like a person does from the front end uh, with a with a GUI level and uh, it allows you to move data from one system to another just like a person does right it allows you to take uh, rule based decisions just like a person does if this then that it allows you to um, uh, take decisions and uh, make any two system talk. Essentially, what you do when you move data from something to other, and any business process is nothing but uh, a human interfacing between multiple systems. Because it allows you to do that, it feels like a robot because it behaves like a person, and hence the word robotic process. Automation. Right, but this is really more like a, a virtual person. Exactly. It's it, a virtual it, workforce. It's a digital workforce which can pretty much... Uh, automate every repetitive uh, process work that you do on a daily basis. How many jobs would you say in in modern businesses are are, are highly repetitive, transactional? um, I would think, Mike, uh, there will be 60 to 70 percent. 
because yeah, yeah because think about it how many of us truly take your judgment calls on a daily basis if you have a 50000 people organization pretty much everything is rules based driven right that's how you control so right. um, like whether you're approving a mortgage or you're approving a mortgage uh, invoice processing claims processing uh, just a con- customer changing their information and that goes into multiple information you call a call center that person takes your uh, social security and then brings data from multiple system all those things are repetitive you are doing the same thing and interacting right. if you if you think about it uh, most of those processes can be automated now the key is you could always or i'm a computer science uh, graduate so you can always automate it but previously it was only through back end programming so it just took too long hmm. now you can do it within days and that is a complete paradigm shift automation everyone wants automation i have not met some someone who says no we should not automate but is was it technically possible to truly automate anything so that is one problem we solved you can truly automate anything and now it's economically viable to automate any process in any country it's cheaper to automate than to do it manually the, the sort of philosophical shift is that when we first started thinking about automation it was how do you design a perfect enterprise system you know which has they called it straight through processing mm-hmm. but there's something very pragmatic about the modern approach to virtualization in that you're not trying to connect all the systems you're just trying to build a virtual human being you know who acts like a human being would dealing across multiple systems exactly uh, if if you think about it failure of erp gave rise to bpo and lot of back office could, could you explain that i mean what what do you mean by bpo exactly you mean the uh, big offshoring trend yeah, the business process outsourcing and the big offshore uh, offshoring and the back offices is nothing but failures of uh, large erps right if you think of there are 10% of the world softwares and the systems are automated and straight through and the rest 90% are systems that do not talk to each other right they don't have api access they keep on updating and the technology keeps on moving faster than business adoption which causes this challenge of thousands and thousands of systems how do you interact make them interact and what we have done is essentially in the last 20 years is we have asked people to play this role of making two machines talk right and because and we, and we put those in places where the people are cheaper the people are cheaper yeah and uh, and and great efficiencies were put into this whole labor arbitrage and the business moved forward but this is the next evolution of labor arbitrage where now it's cheaper to automate than even outsource to the remotest uh, places so you see lot of these large corporations their back offices are transforming from just uh, uh, pure people driven office back offices to people plus robot partnerships what does a digital back office look like uh, it's very interesting mike uh, i believe uh, in next 2 3 years you'll see a lot of uh, leaders talking of their shared services as instead of saying we are a 20000 people shared service they would say we are a 25000 resource shared service 20000 people 5000 bots right uh, it the digital back office it, it takes the it moves the conversation from just performing the process accurately to driving value out of a process so let me give you an example if you are a bank and uh, a simple customer uh, change address change happens right so some everyday people move and they call their bank that have changed my address right now every bank focuses on just changing that address accurately into three systems without hmm. in the least amount of time because people are doing it there are hundreds of system and you're doing it 
now when you automate that work and you can do that within two days or one day you can easily automate this, create this bot now what happens is that that information goes through a bot instead of a person's brain um, add into it real-time content analytics every day on a real-time basis y if you're a bank uh, executive you will know that 25 percent of my uh, customers move from a low net worth area to high net worth area. So instead of uh, cross-selling them the, the new, um, I don't know, offerings two months down the line, next day you will get a call from your bank saying, look, I know you moved and does this interest? Because with every data, every piece of transaction, customer is telling you something about him or her. Right. And if you automate that, you will find out the intel of that meaning of the transaction on a live basis, not two months down the line. That so, changes banks. So in a weird way, we can get more resolution. More uh, resolution. Uh, like a deeper understanding of the transaction because the machine is doing it. Exactly. If you think about it, we, we, there's this notion that back office is <coughs> back and <coughs> only people on the front can interact with customers is, uh, is, is very old. In fact, from back office with every transaction, you get to the customer tells you more about him or her hmm. and now back office with that data being processed uh, digitally through digital workforce can get this intel now what people who used to move that data now they understand the meaning of that transaction and what the larger business value so jobs are changing roles are changing and i i, I meet some of our um, uh, prominent customers like uh, someone like an ANZ bank or... Um, this is the Australian bank, right? Yeah, it's an Australian <laughs> bank. And I see, and I see they have a lot of young graduates and uh, smart people. And they don't want to just move data. They want to understand the data and drive large, larger business value. So there's an uh, amazing amount of stories that comes in... Uh, ANZ is a good example because they run quite a large shared services operation in India. Yes. Right? Uh, how, how did they sort of manage the the cultural issues of bringing bots into the business without it leading to a revolution? We, um, it's funny you ask that question because um, we, we have 3,000 enterprises using our product. We're a 12-year-old company, almost 25. Uh, in, in 90 countries, we have thousands of customers. Mm. What I like about ANZ is that it is a very, uh, it's a very unique way of creating an environment. The leaders were very clear that even though they wanted to do this as a top-down mandate, they wanted a groundswell. So they physically changed the workspace. So they have created their back office where uh, you see people working and sharing desks with some desk on which only bots are running. So what that does is when you enter on the floor, you, s you physically see the human-robot partnership. And it's not easy, right? In Bangalore, real estate is very expensive. <laughs> Just devoting 50 seats to bots itself requires a bold move. Uh, but they, they have some places where they've give, given window seats to bots because the bots are performing very efficiently. Right. And uh, But you go on the floor and you meet this young uh, workforce, young, old, everyone, and everyone is excited about it. They all don't, they don't want to do the same work. They don't feel threatened? No, in fact, they all wa don't want to do the same work. They love that their jobs are evolving. Mm -hmm. They love that they are getting this opportunity to uh, reskill themselves. And uh, uh, this, this fear of 
jobs changing is in my opinion is more at a middle management level but when you go on the floors everyone uh, is is excited about that i am not just moving data from system a to system b i can apply my skills now to um, wo- uh, uh, the value that the transactions do for my business that's how i grow uh, there's there's something really powerful about what you're saying and that uh, when i think about so many organizations so much work actually involves a human being you know being emailed a piece exactly. of data sitting on it for a while exactly. <laughs> uh, then you know email it to someone else who then re-uploads it back into a system exactly um, so uh, I mean so much of work is is not just inefficient but it is is ultimately pointless exactly I um, what has happened is that um, we, we have become so good at making people behave in a robotic way <laughs> and right. driving efficiency that we have forgotten that uh, there's more to us what we can do and deliver and now this has become the next evolution of labor arbitrage i keep on saying that the goal of rpa robotic process automation is to take a robot out of a human Right. We all have a robot inside us. So this is actually about being more human. Yeah, it's about being more human. Uh, we all do a lot of repetitive work on the computer without even realizing. And yeah. once you automate that, it allows us to use our skills at, uh, in a better way. Well, what do you think that is? I mean, what, what is the more human so, so let, human? Let's, let, let's think about it. Um, uh, one of our customers, what they did was that when a, uh, uh, their customers called them, their call center guys, uh, they uh, they talk to the customer, but at the same time, they are feeding that information into multiple systems, right? right. Uh, San Diego County. San Diego County, what they did was they implemented it across 2,500 of their machines, where um, if you called them, they would take that information and they would key in into multiple systems to get your, get your documents out and then mm. talk to you. Now they automated that process, so the person is more focused in talking to you, because otherwise that person was while talking to you was keying in that information, and right. you know your half brain is working if you made a mistake or that. Now that person is more listening to you, empathizing with you, and while the bots are moving all this data into the system, and that not only changed their SLAs but improved their customers' experience way too much so they have some sort of voice recognition to take the data into the system no it's very simple that if when 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 you call them they take your information but once that information they take it they take your say driver's license ah. they just key that in and that subsequent 15 steps that happens across multiple systems are automated right. so while those things are happening in next two minutes the call center agent is talking to you He's understanding you, and he doesn't have he or she doesn't have half of their brain just focused on you. That just changes the human experience of uh, talking to someone. Uh, that's one example where they they improved their experience on the talking side of it. The other side is that um, in a back office, uh, you have incredibly smart individuals who are very focused of processing the data. Instead of that, now they have changed their role in how that data being processed what does that mean for the business so they're right. analyzing the data and that's a big uh, it, it adds to our expertise so do you feel that's just an interim step i mean one of the things that it was said that human beings are better at machines it were as was patent recognition patent recognition mm-hmm. but then machine learning suddenly 
became mm-hmm. very effective. Exactly. Uh, so I'm wondering whether uh, at some point even the analysis piece gets taken away from us. It, it will. I mean, uh, <coughs> if you think um, uh, we, are, we have cognitive capabilities and we are looking at multiple skills and one of them is pattern recognition. Right. And just ability to figure out hundreds of types of different invoice patterns that comes and just processing that in an accurate way uh, is a great uh, analogy. I consider myself an average human being, but if you ask me to give uh, uh, process 50,000 invoices in a month, I'll make 20 mistakes. Uh, It's just, it's not a work for a person, ideally, uh, but, uh, uh, and the the cognitive computing is now already getting to a level, it's already at that level. We have technology which allows you to do pattern recognition. And, uh, That's not good news for the humans. I, I if, if the analysis was the thing that we could rely on keeping our jobs for. But the jobs, the jobs transform, right? Right. Because uh, again, pattern recognition allowing you to process claims is one thing, but then predicting whether that claim is going to be good, bad, and what does when twenty thousand claims become bad? What happens to your business? Those are the work that okay. people would do. So it moves to a sort of a, like a higher level of pattern recognition. Higher level. For me, the whole pyramid of uh, people process technology where people were at the bottom of the pyramid, process was middle and technology <laughs> was top, it now inverts. If you see, technology will do a lot of low end process work through analytics and a lot of this big data, it will drive value from that process and people would process that value to create larger value for the business and customers. This is actually, yeah, this is actually already happening in in things like enterprise sales. Exactly. I mean, in the old days, you sold software or anything else by people going out to lunch. But now there's sort of automated um, inbound marketing and lead nurturing systems. So you only really get a phone call once you've already become an account. Exactly. And, And how does data become your biggest ally in in this whole work right because uh, I think so you I, I read I saw in one of your presentation when you quoted uh, Netflix that uh, if you have data bring it uh, if you have oh, yes. opinions, so this, go, this, this let's is, go uh, with mine this is Jim Barksdale's Jim Barksdale, uh, yeah. the former head of Netscape I, I think the quote was uh, if we have data, let's take a look at it. But if we just have opinions, we'll go with mine. Exactly. And, that <laughs> and you're right, that's a, that's a very common attitude in organizations. Yeah, but that, that's what's happening, right? Modern day professionals are relying on data and people who rely on data, they grow much faster in their role and they mm. evolve much faster because they are able to back their analysis with some data and not just, uh, just uh, share experience alone. Uh, there's sort of a historical precedent for what we're seeing now. Uh, people talk about the Industrial Revolution being this moment when uh, traditional work in the fields was brought into factories and we had a transformation of the workforce. Uh, do you see something similar going on here? Uh, Absolutely. I mean, as a uh, this is my individual opinion. We, uh, there is this, when, when you talk about automation, the next word comes is jobs. Uh, we believe, uh, at least I believe, that the jobs that you are doing will change. It's not that per se jobs will go. Look at history. When yeah. Industrial Revolution happened, um, it created the largest wealth creation in the history of mankind. It created a middle class. When computers came, everyone thought, oh man, we are, uh, we are done. But 
again uh, the jobs evolve. Yeah, created the knowledge worker. Created the knowledge worker. It's same with internet. So, um, I think so. What this will usher in is the next productivity, the new age businesses. It will have massive uh, uh, evolutionary aspect to people. A lot of the jobs will change, but I believe it will create a more uh, more wealth creation because the value that now the real time value. If you think about it, you talk about millennials and uh, young kids. They want everything instantly. Hmm. Businesses are not moving that fast. The only answer is automation, and you g- create this gap between people's expectation and what you're delivering. Once you start meeting that gap, it, uh, gap, it creates interesting new business models where you never thought these two companies will come together. And those those dynamics we are seeing with some of our I, customers. I, I wonder whether though the this sort of robotic revolution will have the opposite effect of the industrial revolution in that it will hollow out the middle class. You'll have more people potentially uh, playing therapist on the phone and and people at the very top who own the platforms. Uh, But do you think the move to part-time freelancer type work will sort of change that administrative middle middle management layer? It's... Um, it's fascinating to see in some of our uh, customers or partners how those jobs evolve. Yeah, yeah. Right? And uh, you're absolutely right. I think so. Uh, one leader put it that some people will join this movement and their jobs change. Some people will step aside and they will do something very different. Drive an Uber. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and some people will step above. So I see uh, some of our customers where now you have floor supervisors who, who are very happy because now they have a 25 people team out of which 15 are uh, robots. Uh-huh. Previously they had a 10 people, 10, 10 resource team. So it, it's just the way we think. I think so the new generation will understand digital workforce and physical workforce and they will grow. Uh, if you go and tell someone I want to grow, it's right now our thinking is let's add more people. Hmm. That that's just one way of growing. But everyone will now grow with technology and people. So, so in actual fact, uh, the 21st century organisation may be smaller in physical terms. I mean, you look at a company like WhatsApp that was you know bought for many billions, and it had like 50 employees, exactly. as opposed to a traditional telecommunications. Firm. Exactly. I mean, just think individually, right? When we move, uh, if previously when I moved into a bigger home, um, I had to first, or someone, not me, but say if if one moves, they think about uh, what you need and how many people, and you have, hmm. uh, do you need any help, and this that. Now, first you put in gadgets, you get a server room, you make sure that you have, um, uh, there are so many physical uh, things that are happening. So just in your own personal life, you are evolving with technology and same will happen in business. Hmm. Also, what interesting fact that is happening is that if you think of um, industrial revolution also made education very industrial. So if you look at education, it was all about industries, right? It, mm-hmm. it, it, it was all about you You have this many percentage, you should do science, this much for math. It, in a way, we all were made, uh, the education system was created so that we are ready for the industrial world, right? So, so it was actually preparing us to be robotic. Exactly. So that world is now <coughs> changing. If you think in early uh, in 1900s, I used uh, one one used to buy things from your local grocer or mm. local, t- and he knew you. 
then came the industrial revolution efficiency all the industries doing things in a very at scale now if you see it has come full circle i expect my enterprise big companies to know me just like my local grocer yes i go into starbucks i expect them to know what coffee i like i expect them to behave like a local vendor that is customer experience that's coming if you see that in education that is changing it's becoming more individualized education hmm. and how do you get to larger customer experience the only way to do that is that automate most of those industrial work so that you unleash All the, the human potential and and take that data and unleash human potential to designing these experiences but but you raise an interesting question which is what does that mean for education uh, it, in a world where we don't have to be so trained to operate in very narrow industrial silos what do we teach kids to to make them more effective and and yeah and and i think so kids uh, yeah, at least from my limited understanding i'm seeing that reform in education where kids are taught on how to learn how to grasp right, right? Uh, this sort of computational thinking computational thinking right it's not that you have to learn everything in a big book you learn as you go uh gamification just using games to train i mean those things are very mm. uh, very real and lot of industries and lot of businesses who are on forefront of it they are adopting it uh, gone are the days that uh, you give a big employee handbook it will be a 6 minute video that you'll understand and as you evolve to the next page <laughs> you'll read another uh, there uh, we we are working on it that uh, once you join us there'll be a uh, game that is given to you and as you evolve as you you spend more days with us you go to the next stage of that game on your phone uh, robotic process automation is powerful because it allows companies today uh, to transform the way they work mm-hmm. uh, and mainly because they are so inefficient and they've got these you know disconnected systems but if you were starting today with a clean sheet of paper designing a modern company uh, how would you do it do, do, would you still need to use automation in that way or could you use it in a more advanced way you would use it in more advanced way you would think that uh, how would a future digital banking back office look like hmm. and uh, that's the question that lot of leaders are uh, asking themselves if if today if i have to build one i would say that let's look at uh, let's learn from manufacturing you have your main line process and you have exceptions let people handle exceptions but the 60% of it is still mainline just automate the whole thing you don't have to automate everything but if you automate 60% in one year it's 60% productivity that comes out uh, would you use sort of traditional programming to to, to design that main no because mainline uh, see, the, the whole difference was that when we started we looked at traditional programming you can automate anything through that but it takes too long right. and when it takes too long if it's a one year project you only automate the most important stuff and the long tail never gets automated even if you're starting from scratch even if you're starting from scratch right because this way you could just take you know off the shelf systems to some off, extent off the shelf system and uh, rpa is the perfect digital glue which allows you to make two systems talk to each other right you don't want you don't always want two systems integrated from back end uh, you just want them to converse with each other <laughs> for simple process you don't want heavy duty integration projects all that right so uh, when you when you do it like that you can now it open up opens up your world you can have as many more systems in cloud on web on prem and you can also and make build, them talk and you can also build partnerships with other organizations you can build partnerships with other organizations and no longer you need only one type of technology in your company so as a company if i start today i 
pick best of the breeds from cloud web everything overnight mm. and just bring them talk to each other within days so this is also i think something changing the role of the cio absolutely because the skill set of you know i guess being a wartime engineer yes. <laughs> you know of, of building these very high defensive systems starts becoming someone who's better at integration or you know, uh, testing different systems. Uh, enabling business, right? right? Uh, the CIO is increasingly becoming a, a very big partner to business. And uh, traditionally, I, can, I, I, I always draw this analogy between IT and business, uh, business and IT being state versus federal. Hmm. And that's how every organization operates, where IT governs like a federal thing and business wants to move fast like a state in a country. Uh, this allows IT to move at a pace with business, right? IT, I've seen CIOs always want to do a lot, but they always have to do more with less. Now they can actually, without saying no, can enable business much faster and provide an environment. And IT will provide an environment in which these digital workforce will prosper just like what physical workforce do. So, Is managing robots different to managing humans? It is very different. It uh, significantly more secure. <laughs> uh, it doesn't do anything that you don't ask it to do, so much easier to govern. Um, through a single control panel, you can see your workforce doing a lot of things. And uh, obviously, not many HR issues. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but I guess uh, there's an issue of complexity as well. There is. And I think so what uh, interesting models are coming is that people are providing robotic IDs, just like a user ID. Right. They are onboarding robots. They are naming the bots, software bots. And it just becomes a, a pretty cool uh, way of... Uh, if, if you think about it, uh, if I am a large healthcare provider, I'm still one of the Fortune 1000. I want to attract the new MBAs and everyone working with me. And this becomes a big HR tool because you are also doing cutting edge innovation in your operations. You are not just a uh, moving piece of paper or data. So, more, so you see what, what's happening through this with some of our customers is that they're attracting different talent force to now join them and get that mindset as part of their back office. So it's interesting. Thank you for being on the show. It was great to talk about it's this. It's always a pleasure <laughs> meeting and talking to you, Mike, and uh, love your podcast and ex excited and uh, uh, very happy and thanks for having me. Thanks, sir. You've been listening to Between Worlds. For more episodes and information on how to subscribe to our podcast, please visit www.mike-walsh.com slash betweenworlds.